Welcome to the Help for Wounded Spirits. This podcast exists to reach those wounded and suffering through life's trials. And now your host, Dr. Doug Carriger. great to be back with you folks. We're so excited about that and we're excited to come to you live from Camp Joy, Wisconsin, where we're actually at a PTSD conference as I speak to you. And, and I believe God's doing a work already here and the people aren't even arriving. But what Stephanie and I are going to do is we're going to try to get a bunch of podcasts done this week. So I'm going to tell you to pray for us, but it'll be too late by the time you hear this, but pray for us anyway. Uh, pray for us. Pray that uh, as you listen to this, that we'll continue following God's will. We'll continue doing those things, and we won't be on the telephone. We won't be on Zoom. We're literally about five feet apart in this big chapel building here at Camp Joy. So good morning, Stephanie. How are you today? Good morning, Doug. You know, after that morning walk, I'm doing pretty awesome. So just uh, for full disclosure, uh, my bride, Debbie, my best bud, Stephanie, and I uh, already got a morning walk in, already got a cup of tea in us, already got some good stuff going on. And, and uh, I'll tell you, we ran into people out on the road. Have you noticed, Stephanie, whenever we try to exercise or do podcasts, people bother us? Yep. Have you picked up on that? Yep. With eight kids, I'm constantly in that state. I, I think the devil's in the details of exercising and podcasts. That's, <laughs> that's all I'm thinking. But anyway, just as we go on, uh, we really want to talk about Job. So Job's going to answer again. And if you've tracked all along through the book of Job, there's so much going on. It started where God allowed Job to test, uh, I'm sorry, where God allowed the devil to test Job. And everything Job went through, immediately he had great inward and outward reaction. Uh, I mean, he shaved his head, he put his robe on. He, and, and that's a, you know what that is, Stephanie, when you start doing things that people see, the sackcloth, the ashes, the robes, the shaving the head, it's an outward sign to the world that I'm in the middle of repenting right now. Mm-hmm. And that's what he was making sure everybody knew. I'm re- if I've done something wrong, I'm repent right from the beginning. Yeah. And then we go on and we learn more about the circumstances. There's more trials. He lost all the buildings, lost his family, except Mrs. Job. Uh, everything's going on. He's sitting in what I call the town dump. I mean, there's nothing left. He's got these three friends. And believe me, you don't want friends like these guys. He had Eliphaz. And Eliphaz was the first one to speak, probably his oldest friend, probably his dearest friend because they allowed him to speak first. And then right after that, we had Bildad, who I call the shortest guy in the Bible. So does every other preacher who ever lived, uh, because he's Elf. <laughs> he's, uh, he's Bildad the shoe height. And, and then we had Zophar. And, and I think, Stephanie, I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here. I think that these guys are just pounding away, uh, thinking that this is all God's uh, judgment on Job. Is yep. that what you're getting out of this so Yeah, far? yeah, most definitely. Yeah, so we've let him know that in no uncertain terms. Yeah, so you know, if you got someone in your life who's this total judge, this total freak, these these people who are uh, just saying all the wrong things to you, doing all the wrong things, all that type of stuff, and uh, you know, maybe you should step away. Uh, I think God's word would have us first tell them, hey, you know, you kind of stink. All you do is tell us bad stuff and make us feel bad. If that, do, hey, you've handled the biblical side. If they go to your church, go to them with the pastor and say, hey, you guys kind of stink. I came to you and told you, here's the pastor. Stop messing with me. But, you know, if they're not in your church and they're just ruining your life and they're so-called friends, dump them, man. Mm-hmm. Praise God. And if you're going out with somebody who's a moron, dump him or her. Get rid of them, man. Praise God. I'd rather be married, wanting to be single. No, I'd rather be 
single wanting to be married, then married wanting to... I mess that up. Someone's <laughs> going someone's to play this on the greatest bloopers. But here we are. <laughs> We're in Job 23. There's stuff going on in 23 that we really need to look at this morning and figure out how we can practically put that to work in our lives. And the Bible says, Then, then Job answered and said, Even today is my complaint bitter. My stroke is heavier than my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. I would order my cause before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would know the words which he would answer me and understand that he would say unto me, Will he plead against me with his great power? No. But would he put strength in me? There the righteous might dispute with him, so I should be delivered forever from my judge. Behold, I go forward, but as but he is not there and backward, and I cannot perceive him. That's a bad place to be, Stephanie. I'm going forward. I'm going backward. I'm not seeing God. So many people we know, uh, I, I'm working with a few people right now that say, I'm not sure where God is. I'm doing everything God wants. I'm saved. I believe all those things. I'm going forward. I'm going sideways. I'm, uh, I'm in the middle of a trial and I don't see God. Folks, let me assure you that God is right there with you, that the Holy Spirit of God is still in your heart, uh, that God's just going through a quiet time with you. Then it says there on 10, it says, on the left hand where he doth work but I cannot hold him he hideth himself on the right hand and I cannot see him but he knoweth the way that I take when he hath tried me I shall come forth as gold I love that song rejoice in the Lord yep. that's about the 37th time we've recommended that song praise God yep. listen to that song uh, and then it goes on my foot have held his steps in verse number 11 his ways have I kept and not declined Neither have I gone back from commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. But he is in one mind. Who can turn him? And what his soul desireth, even that he doth. For he performeth the thing that is appointed for me, and many such things are with him. Therefore I am troubled at his presence. When I consider, I am afraid of him. For God maketh my heart soft, and the Almighty troubleth me. Because I was not cut off before the darkness, neither have he covered the darkness with my face. Boy, there's a lot going on there, Stephanie. Mm. He just, uh, uh, he's just continuing to talk about what he's trying to do with God. He's looking, he's trying to see God, Stephanie. I think yeah. more than anything else, he's trying to see God. He's trying to find God. Uh, he's going on. He's, he's talking about things. He's saying what his problems are. Uh, and, but we got to remember Psalm 139 affirms that God's everywhere. Mm -hmm. He's around us. He's always there. So folks, uh, as I turn this over to Stephanie, just this, if you feel like, if you feel like you're, uh, that God's not in your life, you can't see God, uh, God's there. He's right next to you. So Stephanie, as we pop in here and God's being silent, I think, why don't we just name this podcast? God is silent because that's what it's talking about, especially one uh, through nine, 23, one through nine. And have you been there? Have you been to a place where you feel like God's not hearing you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Job, there, this passage here where Job talks about looking for God, where he goes forward, backward, left, right. And he says, God, God's hiding from me. Yeah. Um, that passage actually became very real to me on deputation when I, when my health crashed. And I remember feeling that way then of, God, I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're doing. And then obviously after Charles was killed, that came in a whole new way. 
Um, but I think it's interesting in this, in this response session, as Eliphaz starts, what are we on now? Round three? Yeah. Um, as Eliphaz starts in again with another set of attacks on Job, Job does not come back this time saying anything to his friends about them, saying anything about anything regarding himself. He pretty much just says, comes back saying, I wish I knew where God was in the midst of this. Yeah. And he says, I would order my cause before him and fill my mouth with arguments. He's like, there's so much I want to say to him. There's so many questions I want to ask him. And he's like, you know, God, what are you doing? Where are you? He says, will he plead against me with his great power? But he put, but he would put strength in me. It's like Job knows who God is. He knows that God cares for him in the midst of this. So there's that faith principle that I see here, that Job was trusting God, but at the same time, he doesn't see him. He doesn't see evidence of his presence. Hmm. And it's that's a it, it's a crazy place to be. And I remember feeling there so many times after Charles died of, yes, I knew God was real. I knew he was working. I could see him keeping me breathing. But at the same time, I couldn't see him anywhere. I didn't see any evidence of him in allowing everything he had allowed. And I think that's where Job was yeah. in those in, you know, in seven and or eight and nine of he just doesn't see any evidence from a human standpoint yeah. of God, how could you allow, allow this? You've hit, you've, you've hit yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I read a book uh, some years ago and uh, it was a CS Lewis book. So I, we had mentioned earlier on that CS Lewis was, I guess, some kind of philosopher. Some of his writings are good. Some are, you know, you spit out the bad, you, you, you hang on to the good, but one of the things he did is he chronicled their spiritual work, he and his wife. So I had mentioned that C.S. Lewis had married a younger woman. He had never been married before. And, and they both expected the picture of health with her, you know, her taking care of him. And uh, she got cancer. And he outlined, um, he outlined a spiritual journey. And I want to, it's, it's in a book if you want to read something. But I got to tell you, it's kind of negative. I remember reading it in the seminary. And it's a, it's a book entitled, A Grief Observed. And in chapter 10, I want to read to you out of these confessions, because I think some of us have been here. So this is from, again, that book called A Grief Observed. It says, meanwhile, where is God? And I, you know, Stephanie just said, I've asked this question. This is one of the most disquieting symptoms. When you are happy, so happy that you have no sense of needing him, so happy that you are tempted to feel his claims upon you as an interruption. If you remember yourself and turn to him with gratitude and praise, you will be, or so it feels, welcomed with open arms. But go to him when your need is desperate, when all other help is vain. And what do you find? A door slammed in your face and a sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside. After that silence, you may as well turn away. The longer you wait, the more empathetic, the more silence will become. There are no lights in the window. It might be an empty house. Where is it inhabited? I, it seemed once. And... And that semen was as strong as this. What can this mean? Why is he so present a commander in our time of prosperity and very absent to help in time of trouble? Sooner or later, I must face the question in plain language. What reason have we, except our own desperate wishes, to believe God is by any standard we can conceive good? Well, God is good all the time. Doesn't all the, and it's called prima facie evidence, 
which is uh, dealing with one of those Latin words, I believe, uh, that's dealing with, uh, doesn't all what we're seeing point to this? What chokes every prayer, he says next, and every hope in the memory of all prayers? H&I offered and all false hopes we had, not hopes raised merely by our own wishful thinking, hopes encouraged, even forced upon us by false diagnoses, by x-rays, photographs, by strange remissions, by one temporary recovery that might have ranked as a miracle. Step by step, we were led up the garden path. Time after time, when he seemed most gracious, he was really preparing the next torture. This is some pretty negative juju here, Stephanie. But look what it says. I wrote that last night it was well rather than a thought. Let me try it again. Is it rational to believe in a bad God? Anyway, is God bad all the time? The cosmic sadist says the spiritual imbecile. Or could one seriously introduce the idea of a bad God, it were by the back door, through a sort of extreme Calvinism? You could say we are fallen and depraved. We are so depraved that the ideas of goodness count for nothing or worse than nothing. The very fact that we think something is good is presumptive evidence that it is really bad. He's in a bad place, Stephanie. Mm -hmm. Now God has, in fact, our worst fears are true. All the characteristics we regard as bad, unreasonableness, vanity, vindictiveness, injustice, cruelty. But all these black things, as they seem to us, are really whites. It's only our depravity that makes them look black to us. Why do I make room in my mind for such filth and nonsense? Do I hope that if feeling disguises itself as thought, I shall feel lost? Aren't all these notes the senseless writings of a man who wouldn't accept the fact that there is nothing uh, we can do suffering except to suffer it? Who still thinks there is some device, if only he could find it in parentheses, which will make pain not be pain? It doesn't really matter whether you grip the arms of the dentist chair or your hands lie in your lap. The drill goes on. So, I mean, C.S. Lewis, is he's saying a lot of things that a lot of people feel, Stephanie. And, and you know, reading this here with chapter 23 is a hard thing, but I, I made a decision last night that this is where people are. I wanted to write this. I wanted to put it down because people get here. They live here. Uh, yeah. People that, those of you who are listening, people you minister to live there. And... Uh, I, I think there's so much going on, you know, and on a good note, Adoriah uh, Judson, uh, when he was over there in Burma, which I think now is called, what's it called? Myanmar. Uh, Myanmar. Myanmar. And, uh, but when the war broke out, he was, he contemplated suicide. But man, you know, after he got right with God, after the guilt went away and he started looking to God and he trusted in God alone, he said, God to me uh, is the great unknown. He's the only way. First, I need to find him. I need to go on. And he says, God is our refuge. We, we know that, don't we? What is it? God is our refuge. And I don't strength. want to quote it wrong. In strength. A very present help in trouble. Folks, Psalm 39, and I think that's Psalm 24 or something. God is our refuge, God is our strength. I'm so, horrible with references. Uh, <laughs> I don't have that off the top It's Psalm of my head. 44. 24. So anyway, Stephanie, we're at this place where C.S. Lewis, I mean, he's seeing his, his wife, you know, marriage is a, is a wonderful thing. And he had come upon it the first time in his life as a, as a middle-aged gentleman. And he's married to this woman who by all accounts should live forever. And he's grappling with that. What would you say if you saw C.S. Lewis right now? If C.S. Lewis was sitting here with you, what would we say to him? What would you say? Wow. You, you, you like to ask loaded questions, don't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would say um, very much that those are, those, what C.S. Lewis was dealing with is very 
normal, very natural. Um, and you do, you know, I think, in, especially when you're in the midst of a trial that just goes on and on and on. You yeah. Know, when you have someone who's sick. And um, I have a friend whose husband is very sick. And she's living that life in a sense of yeah, watching her, her spouse die in front of her. And that question of how, you know, you know God's good, but everything in you is screaming, no, he's not. Yeah. And I think that's where we have to walk by faith in a way. It's very easy to say, oh, I walk by faith. But when you're in the midst of a trial, when you're in the midst of an ongoing trial, when you're in the midst of losing a spouse or losing a loved one um, or have lost one and you're dealing with just the constant repercussions of that, you have to come to that point of saying, okay, God, my feelings are screaming, you're not present. My feelings are screaming, you're not good, that you're not involved in my life, but this is what your word says. And whether I feel it or not, yeah. I'm going to take you at your word. You know, Stephanie, I think probably one of the worst things that's happened to Christianity uh, in, in our world, in our time, is people relying on emotions, you know, to dictate whether or not they're saved, whether or not they're indwelled with the Holy Spirit, whether or not different things. You know, the Bible's clear. It's just God's word. It's believing what God's word says. It's believing as we go along. This is what God's word said. We're going to believe it. We're going to trust it. And, and we just talked about those two Psalms, Psalm 44 and, and, and Psalm 39, where it's clear that God is always with us. And, and uh, uh, you know, God is, he's with us. He's, he's going to be with us in the hard times. And, you know, Judson lost his wife and his baby daughter over there in Burma. But he knew God was with him and, and became one of the most faithful, best missionaries. You know, he had another one of those Job things. And yeah. those of you listening in know that I call Stephanie Jobline as one of her nicknames. I've, I've nicknamed her tri twice. I call her Stephania because she had no nickname when I met her. I'm still kind of messed up about that. <laughs> and uh, But mm -hmm. Jobline, so uh, the things she's been through. So folks, I don't know where you are today. I know I read a story yesterday that, that made me sit down in my chair where uh, a 14-year-old boy was holding his dog in a chair and died during the fires out there in Portland. They both died holding each other in a chair. They found them smoke insulation, whatever the case may be. And uh, folks, this world is hard. That's why we need a God. That's why God is so important. Is uh, This place is hard. This is, uh, you know, but you know, one thing I liked over there in, in verse number 10 and I wanted to mention this before I throw it back your way, Stephanie. In, in verse number 10, it, it's going on where Job says, uh, even though I can't find God, I know he's there. And you know what? That's where we need to be. Even though we can't find God, we know he's there. And in and, and verses uh, 23, 3, 8, and 9, he says uh, he cannot see him. You know, I'm looking for him. I cannot see him everywhere I'm going. And... Uh, and, and he wants to be found innocent. He talks about wanting to have a seat uh, next to God. He's talking about his priorities. And, and uh, he, he's going on there in 11 through 17. He's saying, you know, Satan accused uh, Job of, of uh, worshiping God only because God gave him his good wealth. We remember that. So Job's not saying that, but we remember that coming into the book. And then we go down to what Job's talking about. Eliphaz had just, you know, he insinuated Job needed to heal uh, 
needed to heed God's word. He needed to trust God's word and accept it. But we keep finding over and over again that Job's doing a pretty good job with God's word. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and again, it's, it's that knucklehead. It's that knucklehead theory. And, it, and it, it's, uh, you know, he's, I've been through these things for, you know, this time. I'm going to go through them. I'm going to come forth as gold. And I love that we recommended that song. So, I mean, Stephanie, what do we say? I mean, I know uh, two great ladies, one great gentleman who are listening to this podcast. And it was three ladies uh, a week ago. One lady uh, would have been there as well. But there are three great people in my life right now that are saying, I'm doing everything right. I'm serving God. Uh, and all of them are in the ministry. And uh, I, don't, I don't see them. I don't feel them. I mean, what do we say to that person? I think we come back to the fact that whether we see him, whether we see God or not, he is our refuge and strength. He is our strong tower. He is our fortress. And Satan is always going to be there to fire those darts of doubt, those darts of depression. And I think especially for people that are in a ministry role, Satan fires those darts extra hard because you're not just living for the here and now. You're seeking to help others. You're seeking to live for the Lord. And that's a threat to him. Yeah. And um, something that the Lord always has to bring me back to is that reminder. Um, You know, we look at Job. God pointed Job out to Satan because Job was making a difference. His testimony was making a difference. Satan didn't go after Eliphaz, Bildad, or Zophar because he had no threat in them. They were not a threat to Satan. They were not a threat to any of his agenda and to remember that the fact that you are being in a sense suffering for righteousness sake when you're going through a trial like this that makes no human sense but if you're bringing glory to god through it and keeping your eyes fixed on him and taking you know every baby step in the midst of a trial every baby step of faith what we would call a baby step that moment-by-moment decision to trust God, those aren't baby steps. Those are leaps. Those are bounds. They are. That's getting out of that boat in the midst of the storm and walking to Jesus on the water. Yeah, I I think Stephanie nailed that. And uh, we need to get out of the boat. We need to have that faith. We need to step out. And folks, as we go into closing today, just a couple things that I, I think that we can practice every day to make our lives a little better, that I think we can practice every day and we can trust God for. And And uh, I think those things are, number one, we need to understand at any given time that God is with us. We need to get that. Mm -hmm. God is right next to us. And I know we get those deep, dark places that C.S. Lewis and Adarai and Judson have been in. But let me tell you, God is standing right next to you. In the toughest of times, you know, when when Stephanie's dear, sweet husband, Charles, uh, was shot by a single gunman and, and martyred over there in Cameroon, you know who was next to Stephanie that whole time? God, right there in her heart helping her out. And folks, in our trials, God is there. So remember anything you can today, but remember God is there. Hey, take a few minutes to listen to this message. Uh, We can't wait to uh, talk with you folks. Drop us a line on our page. Our private page is on Facebook or uh, come on over to Helpful Wounded Spirits. We love you folks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. One of the more exciting things about our ministry is being able to tell people how they can know for sure they're saved and believe in Jesus Christ and spend eternity in heaven. The Bible tells us there's four things we need to know to be saved. The first thing it tells us is we're 
all sinners. The Bible says there are none righteous. It says that everybody in the world is a sinner. The second thing that the Bible teaches us is there's a price on sin. The Bible says for the wages of sin is death. The third thing and the good news that the Bible teaches us today is it says, but God commendeth his love toward us while we were yet sinners before we were even born, Christ died for us. So we can know we're a sinner. We can know there's a price on sin, but thank God that Christ died for us. Then the Bible says we must speak it in our mouth and believe it in our heart that all we need to do is pray to God, believe it in our heart that Christ has died for our sins and ask him to save us in Jesus Christ's name. And you know what, folks? He will. If we can do anything to help you in that area, please send us a message. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening today. We hope this podcast has been a blessing in your life. For helpful resources and to help continue this podcast, visit us at woundedspirits.com.